Welcome to Overtime on Inferno, IEM Katowice Edition Part 2, your weekly roundup of all the big stories in Counter-Strike in less time than Shiro can clutch up. I'm Logan. This is Ezeesk. Let's get into it. So just like last week, we're going right into IEM Katowice. Gambit 1. Gambit 1. The, the whole thing. Like, not a semi-final, not their group. They, they just like straight up rolled up and won IEM Katowice. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what happened. Apparently something about them playing in Poland. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's quite amusing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, they beat uh, Virtus Pro 3-1 in the uh, in the grand final. Um, and, you know, as if to play a cruel joke on the entire nation of Poland, Virtus Pro at IEM Katowice, but it's not a Polish team. Um, if you didn't know that, then you're even further behind. Uh, Virtus Pro has, was left of Avanga plus Yakanda, who is just, the best player in the world with pretty much no foreshadowing. Yep. So Gambit won that final in really, really dominating fashion. They picked Vertigo and they lost their own map pick and then beat VP on their map pick of Dust2, Gambit's map pick of Train, and VP's map pick of Overpass. The one I want to hone in there is VP's pick of Dust2, where VP has been a very, very good Dust2 team just because they say you can't go kill and Jame go kill. And Gambit beat them sixteen to six. You but like Gambit just don't lose on Dust Two. They're insane at that map. Like they, I mean, they're insane at most maps. So like they're currently probably the best team in the world, um, which is just insane to think about. But like Dust Two, when I think of Gambit, that's the map I think of them on. I think of them on Dust Two. I think of them as an incredible Dust Two team, and I think they proved it. I mean, the fact they've beaten VP on it, I think. Did they play Spirit on it as well and win? Who are another fantastic Dust Two team? Yeah, Gambit just looked just looked looked unstoppable. I mean, they beat Spirit in the semifinal, who up until that point were the hottest team in the whole tournament. Um, and it's an incredibly well deserved win. They beat um, Navi as well, so it's not like one of those miracle runs where they just, you know, you know, maybe they beat Immortals in the final or something. I don't know. It's not one of those. They beat everyone that was put in front of them, and a lot of good teams in there. So actually going back to that PGL Krakow Major where they won against Immortals, there's been one player who's been kind of there the whole time. And by there, I mean left after that major and came back with the Gambit Youngsters squad turning into Gambit. Uh, that was Hobbit. And Hobbit killed it in the finals. Yeah, he dropped 90, right, over four maps. Yeah, he dropped 90 Insane. over four maps. You would have thought that like Shiro would have been the number one player throughout the entire thing, that Shiro would have been clutching everything. Shiro was kind of absent in the last two maps, and Hobbit just, the absence of Shiro, he filled the entire void of it. Yeah, he went like supernova. It's something about Hobbit when he's in, you know, when he's an underdog and he's in the biggest games of his career. Like he's just shown up in the biggest games of his career um, under the Gambit org. Like, that's the thing like under the he's done both of these like two of the most like most prestigious underdog wins i can remember in counter-strike hobbit on gambit has been a part of both of them it's so such a unique story like and he's a player who does go under the radar quite a bit but i mean that's just like to put a performance up like that in you know it's such a massive game it's huge it's a huge performance from him You'd say Shiro was kind of absent, which is maybe a little bit worrying, but the fact that Gambit can still win when Shiro is absent is in some ways even makes him even more special. 
Yeah. We talk a lot about having veterans on your team and how it's not good to have all like brand new people um, that you need that veteran presence a lot. And that's why Hobbit's there on this Gambit young on this Gambit team is to give that veteran presence of I've played in these big events before. I can help you through this stuff. I'm not going to yeah. be your person that goes and frags every single day even though he has been recently but i'm going to be your person who when the chips when the chips are down when you, when things are looking rough i'm the i'm the veteran here we're going to get through this i actually believe that that sort of like experience angle is is kind of overdone uh in sports and esports but when you have a team that is i mean they were literally called youngsters until like six months ago that's how they you know yeah there's like two of them the are teenagers age- like the average age other than hobbit's like 18 or 19 or something like that yeah it, they're, they're so young and so fresh that it does. I mean, it will help to have somebody like that. I mean, I do think people will go. Oh, you know, he knows what it's like to play in a big game. And it's like, what does that actually mean? I don't. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, like Hobbit. When you can put up a performance like that, I mean, that's even more valuable than experience. It's like, you know, the clutch gene to just biggest game of the tournament, and you just show up like and just hard carry. Even when, like you know, your star player is a little bit off, like he's just hard carrying. Well, that's it's insane. That was the thing on train. It wasn't even so. Train Gambit beat VP sixteen to four. That scoreline was like Hobbit had thirty kills. Shira only had eight, but Shira only had six deaths too. It wasn't yeah. like Shira was just going and dying every time. It's just Hobbit took over. Shira never dies. He's like. I don't know. He's he's immortal. I think. Like, uh, okay, he died six times. Whatever. He just. I think he went like the entirety of last year, dying like an average of once every two rounds. The guy is just. Even when his team are losing, he doesn't die. He makes James look like Yakanda. When uh when Gambit was playing Navi in the semifinals, I tweeted about this, but he did not die for the first like 13, 14 rounds or something like that. And he, yep. he died once in the first half, maybe twice. It was it was impressive to see. And it was a very dominant uh, CT side. Um, I believe it was a CT side. I mean, side. It was a very dominant side regardless that they ended up winning like, uh, I think it was 11 to 4 or something like that. It was very dominant. But regardless, he just wasn't dying. He must be so irritating to play against. Like, you can't ever pin him down. You can't ever find him. Like, he's just... You know, you know he's lurking around the corner, but you know if you peek him, he's gonna hit the shot because he just doesn't miss. So you just have to like wait, and you can't be more patient than he is. It's not possible. He will wait until the absolute last moment before he has to peek, and then he'll probably kill you anyway because he's just that good. I mean, the the fact that you know James died more than him in the final is is testament to that. I think. Yeah. Let's uh, speaking of James. Let's go talk about VP and what this means for VP through there their run through the tournament. They had a really good run through the tournament. Yeah. Like we, we can't say there's not, they lost to Gambit and there's not a huge amount of like bad things I can say about them, even though they lost to Gambit just because they played so well up until that point and they weren't even playing terribly in the final. They took the first map off Gambit. Jamin Yukindar had a fantastic game on that vertigo map. They, they played really well and they, they, they deserve that second place. It's a really well-deserved second place. 90% 90% of the time when you beat Astralis and Team Liquid in a tournament, you're going to win the tournament. Like, it's just that's it. Like, 90% of the time you beat those two teams, you're like, right, that's it. Those are the big boys out. Like, you just win that tournament. The VP managed to beat those two and then, you know, fall at the final hurdle. It's very unfortunate. But I, I do think you have, we have to just give a shout out again to Yukanda, who, 
has been a player sort of on the fringes of the CIS region for a while, and he's just come into VP and he's just absolutely obliterating everyone. Like he's making top tier teams look like the tier three teams that he was just running through. Like he's just the amount of impact this guy has. There was a, a specific round, I think it was in the Astralis game, where his team it was on Inferno and his team were looking to go fake A and go B. So they take brackets control and you kind of walks around long and one digs the long player. Uh, they then leave him there and the other four go towards B. One of the B players rotates over to try and deal with Yukanda, also gets one digged. Yukanda picks up his gun and kills the other two A players. You, can, you cannot do more. You cannot have more impact than that. He's on his own on the wrong side of the map and he's killed four players and stayed alive. You can't quantify how. Like, that's. That is just a round on your own. You break the economy because they were on, like, it was like a half buy versus a full buy. So you completely flip the momentum of the game in a round that you have not no right to win, but it's, you know, it's probably 35, 30% chance to win. And he just wins it on his own without any of his teammates even having to do anything. He just one digs two people, kills the other two defenders, and they just plant the one, win the round. It's an insane amount of impact that guy has. I think on map one, I think I tweeted about this. He had like 13 opening kills on that one. Nine of them were on the same player, on Nafani, who uh, is very similar to Art in the way he plays the game. He is an in-game leader who is more than willing to die for his team. Um, and he just died nine times to the same player. It's insane. Yeah. You saw a lot of Nafani lurking around and being that like one player solo away from the rest of the team, especially in the Navi match. Um, and that was given a lot of really good impact. Let's talk about the rest of the teams that were in the playoffs. So we'll start with Astralis. Zipnik's had a really bad performance again. We we talked about this last week. Zipnik's has not been doing well recently. Magic's went out and he managed to get himself back together, which was a good thing to see that he had actually had a, fair, a decent game against Virtus Pro. But You've got your head. You got your hands on your head. Like, can we? Can we please just give Bobski a chance? Please, he's so good. You like, he's so good. He, you, like, Zitnix has not looked great recently. I mean, I think I tweeted this as well. Uh, he didn't win a clutch at IAM Katowice. He didn't win a single clutch. Uh, Shiro, for the record, were nineteen, um, ten more than the guy in second, which is just obscene. But Zitnix isn't winning clutches. Yeah, and, and in about half the maps as well. Zipnix isn't winning clutches. He isn't getting kills. He's not like being a great support player. He's not holding the B side on his own. What is he doing that Bobski can't? Like, it, it, I, I don't understand what what makes Zipnix, what makes Magisk, these players like so irreplaceable. I know, obviously, this is the five that Astralis were the best team in the world, and whatever, maybe the best team of all time, whatever, but. We're not in that time anymore. The best team in the world currently are Gambit. And you can't afford to have passengers when you're playing against Gambit and Virtus Pro. Because if you have one player who is not on their game against Virtus Pro, Yakanda will kill him over and over and over and over and over. And he will not he will not give up. He will not like allow one player to have a bad game. It's not gonna happen. You need to have five players who are on the top of their game if you want to topple one of the CIS teams, because they will have five players who can out-aim you. And Bobski, whatever Glaive thinks uh, about his, you know, the way he plays the game, and maybe they don't rate him for whatever reason, the guy can aim, and he is a fragger. He is somebody who can 
he can go toe to toe with a Yakanda. I don't understand what Bovsky has to do to get a run of games in this team when Astralis have looked nowhere near their best. Ah, it frustrates me, man. It really frustrates me because I think he's so good. All right. Well, I mean, I don't need to say anything. You need to say <laughs> anything we, we need to say about Astralis. Let's, let's move on to Na'Vi, who is the fourth best team in the CIS region now, pr- statistically proven by finishes in IEM Katowice. Right. That sounds like a joke. It might not be. Like it, it might. Not, they might be the fourth best team in the CIS region, but they might also be the fourth best team in the world. Maybe I'm overreacting to one tournament, but like, Navi finished below Spirit, VP, and Gambit. Spirit sixteen one Astralis. VP beat Astralis and Liquid. Gambit won the whole tournament, beating both those two teams. What did Na'Vi do? Because it was less impressive than that. And it, it sounds insane to suggest that Nata Svincia are the fourth best team in the CIS region. But it might be true. It, it might be. I'm not saying it is, but it might be true. That region is so volatile. It's that so right now, I would say that like Gambit is the number one team in the region and everyone else is tied for second. But like that's the thing. It's you're you're saying that it, regardless of which way we say it, it's Gambit is the best team in the region, and Navi is not. Yeah, they're definitely not the best team in the region, and it's the first time in in years, at least years, that that is even up for debate. It's the first time since 2017, since the PGL major in Krakow. Yeah, yeah, it, that's it probably even true. A question, and even then, they just signed Zeus, and it was like not a question anymore. Exactly. And uh, yeah, like, I think the even more scary thing is that Jame might be the fourth best AWPer in the region. The, the top four AWPers in the CIS region are Simple, Shiro, Dexter, and Jame. All of those would get in any other top 20 team. Maybe you wouldn't take... Jame or Dexter over device, maybe. I mean, it's a maybe. Like James, ins- like Jame plays very similarly, and uh, you probably take device over over those two. But would you take device over Shiro? I don't know. Probably not. For me personally, I wouldn't. I think Shiro is just like he's like device, but if but with like twenty clutches a tournament, it's just insane. Like, what? How is this fair? Speaking about teams that uh, just switched up their offer recently, really good segues here. Uh, Liquid, <laughs> Liquid punched way above what I think their weight is. Um, but Fallen was looking really good during this tournament, and I'm excited to see what happens in like in a little bit when we see Fallen and Liquid kind of like get their stuff together a little bit more, and they're playing a lot more like a team. I'm really excited to see what this version of Liquid brings because we saw that this tournament, that Liquid can be a top tier team again. Yeah, I think for the first time in a long time, you can be excited about Liquid and you, they're not like a known quality, uh, known quantity right now um, because if Fallen keeps playing like that, we all know how good Fallen can be. And if he play, if he is Fallen again, that this team could be this team could be amazing. It's 
It's like it's fallen Elige and Nafly. If you've got all three of those firing, that's an incredibly, incredibly interesting team. Yeah. And I mean, Grim as well is like, you know, popped up and the guy is, is clearly, clearly really talented. Like this, there's only so many kills like available, but you, you have at least four players who can pop off and just drop 25, 30 and carry a map. They're going to be such a volatile team, but such a fun team to watch because there's so much skill in that team. And and that's the thing is that you just named the four players in Liquid, and we haven't talked about Stewie, who is the most yeah. volatile person who on is, that team. <laughs> who is the most volatile player who can kind of do all of those things, but if he's going to do it, he's going to do it in his own way. He's going to like you know fly around corners, jump through smokes, and quickscope people like. I mean, if you have the thing, if Stewie's playing well, it's just going to make everything so easy for Team Liquid. It's what we were saying recently about Spirit, where if some Die Young is like your your fifth best player or your fourth best player, you're fine. If Stewie's your fifth best player, you're gonna be fine for right now. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm I'm not Stewie 2K's biggest fan. I think he has a whole lot of talent. Um, I I think he might maybe hasn't figured out how best to use it in some situations, but. Um, yeah, if he's your worst player, if he's your entry fragger and you've got a leash following up, you, you're going to be pretty happy. Like, you know, there's only so, this, it could, that team could only be so bad with those five players. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Spirit themselves now. They, this is their best performance in a really long time. This is their, like, they've been doing well up until this point, but this is where they got to face teams in the top 30. They got to beat up on people. They looked really, really good. There's nothing we, they got a fourth place finish. We can't take anything away from that. They they went. I I don't think it was perfect through the group stages, but damn near perfect. They and they ended up just losing to Gambit. And at this point, we can give a pass to any team that's lost to Gambit for the most part. Like Gambit's just better, but yeah. like Spirit looked really really good. Yeah, um, I would never dream of taking anything away from them either. For what it's worth, um, I think uh, that. This is still a quite a new team. Like people kind of forget. Um, Dexter only joined like a few months ago, and Patsy as well, who's a player who we haven't re- didn't really see much of recently. Um, but he is. I mean, he's decent. I think he's very young and will get better um, quite quickly, especially playing with these guys. But yeah, the fact that Dexter sort of came in and immediately hit the ground running looks like a superstar orper. And then you've got Mia, who is just like a, a supremely talented. And Chopper seems to have these like he's one of those in-game leaders who a lot of the time is just sort of middle of the pack, but will. But you, you know how like Carrigan has those games sometimes where he just takes over a map. You like, yeah, you can do this. Like, what does it not happen more often? Chopper seems to have that sort of quality where sometimes he'll just take over a map. Um, and I, I don't really know. I don't really know if that's something you can rely on. If it's, you know, if he's able to do that consistently, there'll be one hell of a team. And if not, then it's something you have in the back pocket when you really need it. Like Mouse and Chris, uh, Chris J on Mouse used to do it as well. Like you don't rely on it, but when it happens, you just sort of let it happen and you just win the map because Chopper takes over. Yeah. I mean, they're an incredibly talented team and this is their first big performance. Now the sort of onus is on them to keep this up. 
I do think they will. I think the team just has too much ability to fall off. And um, I- I'm just hoping that when lands are back, they look like this still. They don't look, they don't drop off. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah. Uh, and land cannot come soon enough. <laughs> True. Let's get into some, let's get into our uh, section trade kills. Sniper is down. We're going to talk about all the movement that happened. So we've just finished a big tournament. And as per usual, the waiver wires are flooded. <laughs> um, yeah. Everyone's moving teams. We're going to start with one of the, one of the bigger moves that has brought in a lot of the other things mad lions dropped their entire team except for tmb and they're going international so that means they've dropped shush refresh roy and hooksy i i don't know what to say about this until we get to see their roster tmb is really good uh, if they're building a good team around him that team could actually be exciting he's he's really talented um a player i'm really excited to see if they can get a good team around him they could be sleeper because he's really really good so off of the back of that, Heroic dropped Borup and Nico and immediately picked up Refresh and Shush. Strange one, this. It's a really strange one. I, I don't really know what to make of it because uh, Borup's decent. Like, he's a good player and he, he seemed to come out of nowhere and just suddenly be really good. But he's like, uh, he was kind of like the fourth best player on that team. And Nico was the, you know, the glue player, the support player, the fifth player, whatever you want to call him. I don't think replacing Nico should ever have been a priority. Just personally, I think Nico's actually a really good player and somewhat underrated by a lot of people. I can understand replacing Borup and for refresh, that one makes sense. Shush came in for Nico. That one, I don't really understand. I don't know why Nico is a player that you're looking I mean, I never really understand why teams change their fifth player, um, which we'll get onto with the next one as well. Um, if you really want to make your team better, you want to change one of your one of your players for a star player. Like the the difference between having a good fifth player and a bad fifth player doesn't really matter all that much if your star players can't make use of the space they've got. So I don't know. It's a strange one to me. I, I'm I'm just I'm just slightly confused why they made the move to begin with. That's my that's more yeah. of my concern is that like while Borup had a rough couple of events and Nico has been Nico's been fine recently, it's what what was the internal decision that said we need to make a change here. We need to drop two players and pick up two new players. What what happened internally that led us to this we need to make a roster move, even though we've been doing well recently? They've been a little off the last few tournaments, I guess, but I don't know, man. It's I, I, I'm interested to see where it goes because all the noises people make about refresh are positive. So maybe this is you know this is the the, the move that reinvigorates them, and we see Heroic back on top because Stown is still obscenely good, and as long as they keep hold of him, they'll still be a team to watch. Yeah, Stown's been really good. Kadian's been really good. There's been there's there's been no issues with the rest of this team. Uh, let's move to a team with plenty of issues. Uh, OG dropped the Kingmaker. <laughs> yeah, dropping MBK is fine, but as again, you, I, I do feel like you're replacing the wrong player. Like swapping MBK, the rumor is that Nico from Heroic is coming in. Fine move, but does it fix OG's firepower issues? No. Does it suddenly make OG go from the 15th best team in the world to the fifth best team in the world? I personally don't think so. I know Valdi and Nico get on very well, so. Friendship-wise, it makes a lot of sense. But yeah, no, that, that moves a really odd one as well. I think I do think they should probably replace Issa, although I do feel bad for him because the internet issues are really holding him back at the moment. Yeah, I 
I think that this I, I still I don't like this move, but I think this move might have a little bit more to do with just the fifth best player replacement. I feel yep. like this is probably also a internal discussion move of like NBK and Alexi were kind of clashing a little bit. And OG obviously wants to build around Alexi B as their in-game leader. And I have a feeling that some of this was going that way as well. It's definitely an ego upgrade. Nico has like no ego. The guy is uh, the guy is like from everything you hear obviously i've never i don't i don't know the guy personally but from everything you hear he's like the nicest the nicest guy ever he'll do anything for the team whereas i imagine mbk as a veteran is probably a little bit more you know maybe i should be given a bit more space i'm i'm, a, I'm still a good player sort of thing i think it's an ego upgrade but other than that it, it seems mostly uh mostly cosmetic EG dropped Ethan, but that's not the full story. Ethan looked like he has left Counter-Strike moving to Valorant. He's playing for 100 Thieves now. It happened in this order. Evil Geniuses says that Ethan is off of the roster. Ethan puts a twit longer out and 100 T Valorant puts their announcement out. That happened in about, I don't know, four minutes. (laughs) Yeah, it was really odd. I mean, I think what's weird is that there was no... There's no foreshadowing of this. Like you keep hearing all these NA players going to Valorant, but I'd never heard that Ethan was practicing with the Valorant team or anything. So I don't know. That one came out of nowhere. We've said before we wanted EG to make a change. This isn't exactly the change I thought they were going to make. Maybe they sign Oboe. Maybe that's the the way they go if he if he wants to. If not, maybe they uh, maybe they pick up. You know, one of the players has just left. Maybe they pick up a an MBK. That seems like a weird one. Maybe Borup, actually. That would be a fun one. I'd like to see that. Fun Plus Phoenix has dropped Chris J, even though he was never signed. Chris J was acting as a stand-in for them for a while, and contract negotiations do not go well, so he's not going to be playing with Fun Plus Phoenix. And instead, we get Sunny, which we're both confused by. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this before we recorded. I don't really understand this move, because Chris J was in-game leading. I don't know if... Zen is in game leading. I don't know if Sticko's in game leading. You suggested maybe it's Sunny in game leading. Apparently he did that on Ents. I, look, man. FBX. What I will say is I have faith in FPX. I think Devil Walk and the rest of the team have shown uh, a lot of flexibility and a lot of ability to to give whoever's in game leading tools required to to build a system that works because I think. They're not the most talented team. I think Madden is fantastic, but outside of that, I don't think they're like incredibly stacked. But they consistently get results, and yeah, I, I, I'm I'm intrigued but cautious about this one. It's mm, it's interesting. All right, let's get into overtime. So rankings came out about. 30 seconds before we started recording today. Yeah. Because playing it on the edge, all the usual things that you would assume happened. Gambit jumped up 11 places. They're now in fourth place. Specifically, let's talk about the fact that the top, out of the top four teams, three of them are CIS teams. And then there's another team in eighth, which is Team Spirit, I believe. Yes. Yeah. CIS is taking over. It's yep. get on board now or... We, or stay we behind at the beginning our first day our first podcast episode was we bowed down to our cas overloads we've been on this for like a month and a half now we're we're golden a couple weird moves g2 got bumped up eight, four places which where yeah i don't really know how that happened uh, i think it's purely because there's so many roster moves that all the teams that were above them have dropped places because g2 haven't looked great for a little while now um no 
yeah, that one's a little strange. All right, let's go talk more about G2 now. So somebody from G2 tweeted yesterday that all of the RMR stickers were going to be stopped being sold today or tomorrow. Uh, I think it was I think it was for today. And G2 Valve had to quote tweet that saying something along the lines of like, yeah, no, we didn't say that. If we say anything about it, it'll be public. But um, we, we haven't told any of the teams yet or anything like that. So where is this coming from? Yeah, G2 have now have been forced to apologize. And their owner as well has come out on Twitter and said, look, this wasn't deliberate. This was purely human error, which I mean, I would have assumed anyway. I would assume it wasn't a, uh, you know, it wasn't a deliberate thing. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a very unfortunate situation. But yeah, they, they said the stickers would be on, were going uh, like away from purchase. And now they're... Uh, they're not. So if you bought any, uh, Valve are offering refunds, which is very kind of them. But uh, only if they're yeah. unopened. So that means if, only you if, they're unopened. Your, like, if you got your Namiga regular sticker, uh, when you thought you should have gotten your Tyloo gold sticker, they won't refund you for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's very unfortunate. But as I, people are going to say, oh, I know G2 trying to scam people. I, I really don't think that's the situation that's yeah. happening here, but unlucky. And that's all we've got for this week. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter at at ReadTLDR, at LoganRamHap, and at AZSK. We'll see you guys next week when we start ESL Pro League. Peace. Hey guys, it's Logan. Thanks for listening to Overtime on Inferno. If you can follow and review us on your favorite podcast player, it would be greatly appreciated. And if you have any feedback at all, please email me at logan at ReadTLDR.gg. We love hearing feedback from our listeners.